Midstream Earnings Wrap, August 9, 2023. Midstream earnings are in and generally met expectations, as has been the case for the past several quarters. Williams companies enjoyed a record natural gas gathering volumes of 18 billion cubic feet per day. This drove second quarter adjusted EBITDA of $1.611 billion versus analyst expectations of $1.568 billion. Liquefied natural gas exporter Chenier continued a run of positive surprises with a 13% beat of sell-side expectations and once more raised full-year EBITDA guidance. Their success contrasts poignantly with the declining fortunes of founder and former CEO Sharif Suki, forced out by activist Carl Icahn in 2015. The following year, Chenier began shipping liquefied natural gas, and today their 6 billion cubic feet per day in volumes represents around half of U.S. LNG exports. Suki went on to fan Tellurian, best described as a Chenier wannabe. Tellurian has been trying for years to sign up customers and raise the capital required to build Driftwood LNG, an export terminal along Louisiana's Calcasio River. Suki is either a visionary who was early to recognize the export potential of U.S. natural gas or an entrepreneur with excessive risk tolerance always looking to enrich himself first. He's probably a bit of both. When you invest with Suki, you know he'll make money. You just don't know if you will. Some have speculated that Tellurian would have more success raising capital with a new CEO. We noted Suki's proclivity for excessive upfront compensation earlier this year when he negotiated $20 million in annual compensation, even though Tellurian is years away from shipping any LNG. See Tellurian pays for performance in advance. Developing driftwood still looks like a long shot. Suki routinely borrows against his own stock holdings. In early 2020, when Tellurian was plunging along with the rest of the energy sector, a margin call forced him to dump shares he owned. More recently, weakness in Tellurian led UBS to seize Suki's 30-meter carbon fiber hull yacht, Tango, pledged as security. Every midstream company has something to say about their energy transition opportunities. Last year's Inflation Reduction Act increased the tax credits available for carbon capture and sequestration, CCS. At its most generous, the federal government will pay $180 per metric ton for CO2 that is extracted out of the ambient air and permanently buried underground. Even though a generation of young people is growing up mortally afraid that rising CO2 levels represent an existential threat, at around 412 parts per million, 0.04%, it's thinly dispersed in the air around us and therefore expensive to extract. Nonetheless, Occidental is building the world's biggest CCS facility in Texas. In a few years, expect to read that IRA tax credits are offsetting Occidental's tax liability on its conventional oil and gas business. Sometimes the right geologic formation to permanently hold CO2 is the same one from which natural gas, CH4, was originally extracted. There's an appealing symmetry in sending the carbon atoms back home after they've been separated from the four hydrogen atoms they arrived with while generating a useful chemical reaction that's left them bonded with two oxygen atoms instead. NLINK is better positioned than most to do this, since they provide natural gas to a number of petrochemical facilities along the Mississippi River corridor. The emissions from these facilities have far higher concentrations of CO2. 50% or more isn't uncommon. NLINK is exploring opportunities to capture some of the CO2 and send it in dedicated CO2 pipelines back towards the region that provided the natural gas whose combustion created it. 
they estimate that they can earn an EBITDA return of around 20% on invested capital. Midstream energy infrastructure long since stopped being threatened by the energy transition and is instead becoming vital to it. Magellan, Midstream and OneOak reported good earnings as investors in both companies vote on their proposed merger. Magellan suggested EBITDA was 8% ahead of expectations and they raised their standalone EBITDA guidance for this year by 2%. OneOak's second quarter EBITDA beat expectations by just under 4% and matched Magellan's four-year increase in EBITDA guidance of 2%. One might ask why they need to combine when business seems to be going so well. Votes on the merger are being counted this week, and the market-implied odds of its passage remain finely balanced. We estimate that $3.1 billion in value has been destroyed since the announcement in May. Both companies have scheduled a special meeting of shareholders for September 21, at which point the result will be announced. It looks like being a nail-biter.